We implemented many ITIL processes. The world's most practiced method for project management. ITIL has been um, a catalyst in my career. Hundreds of thousands of people with a Prince 2 qualification. I've seen ITIL help organizations be more successful. The Axelos Podcast, bringing best practice directly to you. Hello, everyone. Today I'm joined by Ruth Murray Webster, who is the lead author of the MSP fifth edition, the latest update within the Axelos stables of best practice guides, and also by John Edmonds, who is the Axelos PPM portfolio manager. So a big welcome to you both today. First of all, so we've got some questions to ask ask you both about the hugely exciting and important fifth edition for MSP. So John, if, if, if I would like to start with you, please. What is MSP? Oh, thank you, Alan. Managing Successful Programs, MSP, is a globally recognised and, and highly valued program management framework. Over the last 20 or so years, it's been adopted across the world. Many private, public and third sector organisations have successfully used the framework in a wide range of situations. They have discovered how M MSP helps them to introduce changes and changes that are aligned with organizational strategy. This ensures that the reasons for the change and the program vision are effectively communicated and widely understood. Thanks for that, John. Ruth, what is a programme? Um, well, Alan, there are multiple different definitions of a programme in, in different publications. And indeed, the definition of a programme in MSP has changed from edition to edition. But all these definitions tend to agree that programmes are focused on delivering beneficial change and that programmes provide a framework or you might say a vehicle for change that adds value over and above what projects can deliver. So in the fifth edition, we've defined a programme in a way that brings together a number of important aspects of beneficial change. So maybe I'll just run through those. First, I think it's important to say that programmes are temporary structures, temporary organisational structures. Programmes might go on for a few years, but they are intended to be temporary. And, and these structures need careful thought, depending on the reasons for investing in the programme. And I think maybe we'll talk some more about reasons for investing later in this podcast. Um, I think secondly, programmes require leadership of multiple and interrelated projects and other work. Um, we use the term other work to define activity that's vital to achieving the desired change and, and its related benefits, but that work's not organised as a project. It might, it might be an operational process. So although most working programmes will be a project, it's important that we recognise it's not a requirement and that governance needs to be designed to deal with projects and other work. The third part of the definition of a programme we use in MSP um, relates to how programmes achieve their outcomes and associated benefits progressively over time. So the programme life cycle is incremental by design and it enables the organisation to remain flexible and adaptive to changing circumstances and priorities. Um, there can be lots of confusion about Agile methods, capital A Agile methods, and also the concept of organisational agility. There can be lots of confusion about 
agile method, so capital A, agile, and organizational agility. And inherent to the definition of a program is the idea of organizational agility. Finally, um, the definition of a program we've adopted here also recognizes that programs are often invested in and or bring beneficial change to multiple organizations. So sorry, Alan, it was a long answer to your question, what is a program? Um, but in MSP 5th edition, we say a program is a temporary structure designed to lead multiple interrelated projects and other work in order to progressively achieve outcomes of benefit for one or more organisations. Thank you for that, Ruth. That is very clear. Thank you very much. I have another question for you, Ruth. What are some of the common challenges that programmes face? I think that some of the common challenges are a feature of the involvement of multiple investing organisations, as we've just mentioned, or of socio-political complexity caused by large numbers of stakeholders with different ideas of what good looks like. Um, these challenges, these you know, people um, challenges, it can be argued that they're not exclusive to programmes Large projects have these challenges too, you know, that's correct. But such challenges are common in, in programme work. Um, there are some others too, though. There, there are some challenges that are common to programmes that are related to the time it takes to implement programmes, typically a number of years. And over time, it can be really difficult to maintain a convincing narrative to support the vision, um, you know, difficult to keep energy um, sustained, difficult to keep moving forward, or indeed um, difficult to prevent, you know, reinvention of the wheel when new stakeholders or organisational leaders join the programme partway through. And then there are some other challenges associated um, with the fact that programmes do um, deal with multiple projects and other work and the myriad of dependencies that arise because of this. So there are dependencies on and from external factors and resource dependencies in the organisation. It's common for an organisation to believe it has the capacity and the ability to achieve the benefits from the programme, only to find that the vision becomes obscured by the structural complexity of the work. And then finally, well, things change. You'd expect them to. And programmes need to keep abreast of changes and adjust. So being able to focus on delivery of plan A while keeping open to the need to adjust to plan B is not simple. So the MSP approach is designed to address all of these, all of these challenges. Thank you, Ruth. That's, that's an excellent answer. Thank you very much for that. John, why do organisations invest in programmes? OK, Alan. Well, the, in fact, there are numerous numerous reasons why uh, that would be the case, why an organisation or several organisations uh, decide to embark on a programme. And the scope of any particular programme will often include more than one single reason. An investment in the programme uh, will be serving multiple organisational objectives. So in this edition, we've been very clear to uh, not refer to different types of programme, but actually begin to address this, this idea of reasons. And so MSP, fifth edition, refers to four common or typical reasons for running a programme. 
The four are innovation and growth, such as uh, responding to the opportunity to, uh, to build or to exploit new uh, capabilities, whether they're physical or knowledge-based. Uh, organizational realignment is another reason, perhaps mergers or acquisitions or uh, divestments, restructuring how, we're uh, how we are deploying resources. Thirdly, effective delivery, perhaps a response to demands from customers or regulators or any other stakeholder group to improve their compliance or their performance. Uh, and the fourth reason we talk about is efficient delivery, sharing scarce resources, perhaps, or needing to gain the best outcomes from the least cost. So through this new edition, these four typical reasons are illustrated by four scenarios. These scenarios are fictitious, but however, they're, they're very realistic. And they're used throughout the guide to bring to life various aspects of the MSP framework. Thanks, John. That, that was an excellent answer. Thank you very much for that. Uh, getting back to yourself, Ruth, please describe the new MSP framework for me, please. Okay, so um, the first thing to say is um, if you're listening to this and you're familiar um, with the previous edition of MSP, then, then the framework will, will be familiar because we've maintained the three lenses um, of the integrated framework, the lens of universal principles, the lens of themes that define governance and associated controls, and the lens of processes that provide the time dimension, the chronology of how the principles and the themes are applied in practice. So the framework's drawn with the seven processes in the middle, i.e. the life cycle. It itself is, is cyclical. You could say it's a spiral life cycle. And then around the processes are two concentric circles that detail the seven themes and the seven principles. And there's a many-to-many -many relationship between principles, themes, and processes. And the MSP manual describes these relationships and, and maps them throughout the book so that practitioners using the framework can be sure to address all parts of the integrated framework in practice. Thank you very much, Ruth. Back to yourself, John. Please describe the principles to me, explaining why they are important. Thanks, Alan. Um, the principles, yes. The principles are extremely important in MSP. Let me give you the, the background to why this is the case. Organisations use programme management in a variety of situations uh, to pursue all sorts of different organisational objectives, including the four reasons that we mentioned earlier, innovation and growth, organisational realignment, effective delivery, efficient delivery. A key feature of MSP is that it provides a principles-based framework that can be applied in all of these different circumstances. The principles are the guiding obligations that apply continually from the first identification of programmes right through to their closure. And by guiding obligations, we mean that these are non-negotiables. They apply to every programme. We describe them as universal. Now, the principles are built in to the whole programme governance through the themes. The, the themes are there to, um, to actually put them into practice on a day-by-day -day basis, and they are enacted through the processes in the programme lifecycle. Altogether, there are seven principles 
and together they underpin the entire MSP framework. These principles have been demonstrated by practical use, and they enable practitioners to reinforce the most critical factors for programme success. Thank you, John, for that. Just one more question, John. How does MSP guide the work to define outcomes of benefit? Okay. Um, well, first of all, it's probably a good idea to explain what is meant by the phrase outcomes of benefit. And let me begin to answer that by looking at the meaning of those two key words, outcome and benefit. In the world of program management, we define them in this way. An outcome is the result of a change normally affecting real world behavior and or circumstances, while a benefit is the measurable improvement resulting from an outcome. Now, it's benefits that drive programs. Without the promise of benefits, it wouldn't be rational to invest in a program. As a result, there needs to be a strong focus on benefits throughout a program to ensure that resources are used wisely and the appropriate outputs and capabilities from the projects and other work are created and delivered. However, without the right outcomes, we will not be in a position to realize benefits. And the right outcomes will not magically follow the delivery of new capabilities. We just cannot treat outcomes as an automatic step in our program sequence. So outcomes need to be carefully managed. And this will include, well, three things, really. Planning the changes that will be required for the new capability to be adopted. Understanding what will be required for a successful transition from old to new ways of working. And thirdly, a focus on the embedding of the emerging outcomes to ensure there's no regression to those old ways of working. And so to ensure that there is a focus on the eventual realization of benefits, it makes sense that we first of all focus on the appropriate type of outcomes that we wish to see emerging. And these outcomes are not negative ones, nor even neutral ones. We are seeking good, positive outcomes that will ultimately lead to the realization of benefits that are driving the program. And this is where the phrase outcomes of benefit comes from. Thank you, John. Thanks very much for that answer. Getting back to yourself, Ruth, we mentioned it earlier. What is enterprise agility and how does MSP provide that for an organisation? Thanks, Alan. Yeah, so when we're talking about the definition of a programme um, within MSP, we say that programmes enable enterprise agility. And we define enterprise agility as a condition of an organisation that is able to be flexible and responsive to drivers in its environment. Some might call this corporate agility or organisational agility, but it's, it's a feature, a condition of that organisation. This is not to be confused with capital A agile ways of working used in projects. Enterprise agility is all about staying alert to emergent change and disruptive trends. And importantly, being able to adapt to these in a timely way. Programs are one way that an organisation implements its strategy. And as competitors, consumers, as regulation and technology or societal expectations change, so an organisation needs to adapt strategy to stay competitive and relevant. And MSP provides for this through an incremental process and governance focused not only on looking back and managing performance, but also looking forward 
and anticipating trends and dealing with ambiguity, which is one of the seven principles. Thanks for that, Ruth. Much appreciated. In what other ways does MSP embrace agility? Well, I think that agile ways of working do play a part. So in me, um, you know, saying that agile ways of working and enterprise agility are two very different concepts, um, that they are they are related in some way. So important that we don't confuse them, but there are unquestionable benefits of adopting agile ways of working for some or all of the projects within a programme. So enterprise agility is achieved through the inherent properties of the principles, themes and processes of the MSP integrated framework. But in addition to this, some projects within the programme will benefit from using agile ways of working focused on iterative and incremental design and delivery of outputs. But it's not a requirement for programmes to adopt agile methods. It depends on the work. And enterprise agility is just as possible when projects adopt a linear life cycle. Thanks very much for that, Ruth. That e- excellent answer. Much appreciated. As we come to the end of a com- conversation, is there anything else you would like to add? John, would you like to add something to the end of the conversation? Uh, yes, please, Anth. Uh, uh, firstly, thank you for the opportunity to uh, to chat about the MSP 5th edition. It's been most enjoyable. Uh, yes, let me just finish by uh, saying I actually loved the previous edition of MSP. I've led many MSP training courses across the world and always found it an excellent guide and always well-received. I was therefore really keen that we respected and honoured the the legacy of previous editions. And yet, of course, at the same time, we moved MSP forward to meet the needs of programmes today and for some years to come. I believe that, thanks to the exceptional authoring team, we have done that. We have created a guidance that will prove extremely valuable to anyone involved in leading and working in a programme or any major initiative, whatever you call it, mega project, major project, and so on, the conceptized ideas in the fifth edition of MSP are really invaluable in a wide range of situations. I trust that you will find it extremely useful. Thanks for that, John. Thanks for uh, thanks for summing up. Ruth, is there anything else you would like to add as well, please? Uh, yes, Alan, thank, thanks very much for the opportunity. Um, like John, you know, I've been involved with MSP for, for quite a while um, as a trainer on exam panel, um, implementing the advice as a, as a practitioner and advising others as a consultant. And now, obviously, really a real privilege to be lead editor of the fifth edition. Um, one of the authors in, in the team, Andrew Schuster, is arguably the only person who's been involved in every edition since 1999. And I mention all this because my personal view is that MSP has always tried to provide the bridge between the project view of the world and the strategic organisational view of the world. But I think previously has not quite spanned that gap and, and maybe brought too much of a project mindset to the management of programmes. So my motivation as lead editor was to refresh MSP, yes, and to build on great prior work and not destroy it, absolutely, but also to reflect more of a balance 
between a project and an organisational view. And as a result, we've we've got content in the fifth edition that some might um, perceive as new or as at least being given more emphasis, particularly around the ongoing justification of the programme and decision-making over time. But we've tried to do this without destroying the critical focus on realising benefits of designing the future state to be coherent and to structure implementation in tranches with landing points in a way that are safe places to stop if necessary. And all of that, of course, within a governance framework that is risk-based, providing assurance and driving continual improvement. And programmes have got many moving parts, and, and this is reflected in MSP 5th edition, but hopefully practitioners will find it clear and tailorable and valuable in their efforts to lead beneficial change. Thanks very much, Alan, for inviting me to um, be part of this podcast. And thank you, Ruth, and thank you, John. Personally, I would like to thank you both for your for your time today, which has been an excellent conversation about the new MSP 5th edition. Presented by Axelos.